Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents. This is episode number 46. I'm host A, PD Steele. And I'm host A plus. Oh, shit. Yeah. Elena Torres. Yeah. He set her up for that. And yeah. we're here <laughs> with our amazing guest. She is a local comic here in D.C. She's been doing comedy for a long time. She also works on the show Redacted Tonight. Natalie McGill. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. No, thanks, thanks for, for doing this. Last minute like that. That's great. Yeah. Right on time and everything. Yeah. Take a cue, <laughs> podcast guests. <laughs> be nice and professional. To, no to be fair, we, we aren't taping an episode this week, so I had more free time than normal. But uh, but so I generally try to be punctual. <laughs> so an episode this week. So there's only one redacted tonight episode. It's a weekly. Yes, yeah, weekly show. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I guess because I never watched it once. Yes, <laughs> that's fair. It's um not there, to be you know I just no nah, no. Nah, there's like so so the host Lee Camp he does uh-huh. an interview show that comes on Thursday nights and then the show that like me and Naomi and John are on like that mm-hmm. Friday nights. It airs Friday nights. Mm-hmm. But the, the interview one is, like, less, that's a little bit more serious, not as many jokes, but mm-hmm. the Friday is all funny. <laughs> do you like, do you like working on it? I do. Like, I, I've always wanted to write comedy mm-hmm. um, for a living, and mm-hmm. especially for TV. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, to me, it's kind of a dream job, because I'm getting to combine, you know, what I learned along the way doing stand-up, but also I went to school for journalism. I was right. doing, like, traditional journalism for... 10 years before I got that job. So it's right. kind of like blending. When I met you doing the Dancing Crab in 2012, you, <laughs> you were working at, what was it, did you tell me it was like the Cecil Gazette or something? Or Not like, Cecil, because that would have been a crazy ass commute. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm confused as shit, because one of my guys actually did write for them way back when. I think he went to St. Mary's for college and stuff. And he also was like a, Crab rat, the uh, old dancing gotcha. crab. So I mix it up. It was some gazette. Yeah, right? it was the. It was called like the gazette. So not to be confused with the the Capital Gazette, the one in Annapolis. Right. So so the gazette was like was unfortunately this community chain of newspapers in Montgomery and Prince George's County. Mm-hmm. And my first job out of school was uh, a community reporter for Central Prince George's County. Um, so I was covering. For people who are familiar with these areas, Capitol Heights, Sea Pleasant, Glen Arden, Cheverly, Landover, which is basically everything that was outside of FedEx Field mm-hmm. and on the border of Northeast and Southeast DC, like that was me. Okay. So I was responsible for any school story, all of the crime, which was a, there was a lot of it. Um, uh, I had a lot of municipal governments. I had like eight of those. Um, I used to work with Alahe at that paper too. She oh, co- really? So oh, she cool. covered like Hyattsville and Poor Towns and like she was more Northern Prince George's County. So that's how we met actually. I met her through that job. But we both went We both went to Maryland, but I didn't really know her as well then because she was a year ahead of me. Gotcha. But it wasn't until we got that job that we got to know her. So where in that road did you start doing comedy? Did you start doing comedy when you were in school still or no, right after no. or while you were I at the cassette? I would have had shitty grades if I started. There's some people that I, like I super admire that started and they weren't done with school like Donnie Sangstack and like yeah. Goose. Like I was like I don't know how you guys were doing that. And or like Nick Hopping did class. it all through school. Like yeah. there's a bunch of people. Well yeah. I was such a piece of shit alcoholic there's no way I would have been able to do that. <laughs> oh me neither. Oh yeah. me neither. Impossible. And I don't think my act now would have been as good if I wasn't a piece of shit alcoholic back then. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
I, I think I'm funnier. I'm funnier for being irresponsible yeah, I mean, at age, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. 18 to 22. Yeah, I'm That's where you get the stories from. from the <laughs> right. So what gave you the, so you were working at the Gazette when you started, and what gave you the idea to start? So, so it was a little bit of Alahi pushing me to do it, and then also, oh, okay. and also, so for, the first credit should go to my friend Sarah. So, um, so Sarah is a good friend of mine and a college roommate, and also a, a an adulthood roommate as well too. We stopped living together maybe two years ago at this point, but mm-hmm. she took the five minutes of funny class at DC Improv right after we finished Maryland. Um, it was like that summer after we graduated. Gotcha. And she, so she did the grad, the graduation showcase. I went and I was like sat in the crowd with her dad and her like future sister-in-law <laughs> watched her five minutes. Of that. And so after she did the class, um, she, uh, she was actually going out to like mics around here, the mm-hmm. ones that were existing back then. Mm-hmm. This was like 12 years ago. So not as wow. many as there were now. Um, uh, and she would, uh, I would go out and watch her at the mics, but she would also try to get me to like write jokes with her. And I was like super self-conscious about anything that mm-hmm. I wrote. So, so it was a little bit of her trying to push me to do it. And then when I started working at the Gazette, um, Olahe had already been doing it maybe for... Um, it maybe at least two years at that point. Um, so for what, those of you that don't know, Alahe Azadi is a great, great local comedian. Yeah, she works for the Washington phenomenal. Post now. Yeah, she works for the right. uh, yeah for arts and entertainment, right, um, or the style section. Right, she's so, a very amazing writer, comedian, and human. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we need that aside. Yeah, so yeah. For just the people who just don't know. to explain for the people who don't know what we're talking about, just a side note. Yes. Um, but yeah, so yeah, when when I first started working there, so she came to the Gazette maybe a couple months after I started, and then she, you know, gradually we found out she was doing stand-up because she would invite some some of us to come out to her shows, mm-hmm. and um, and we would, I mean, just because we were coworkers and we had particularly crazy beats and crazy people to deal mm-hmm. with, like we were always kind of you know, cutting up about that. And mm-hmm. I think just from riffing off of that, she thought that like, hey, maybe you wanna try this. Mm-hmm. And, but I never even, like the same with Sarah as with Alahe, I never really took them up on doing it until like years later. So I was still at the- time. It takes time. Yeah, it took time Sometimes. to build up confidence yeah. to do it. Cause I just, I was like, I don't think anybody's gonna laugh at this and I don't really know what I wanna talk about. And it was just like all the stuff that people, you know, or scared of. Scared I was of. the same. I thought about doing stand-up comedy for years before I started. But anyway, you were saying. No, no, no. Like, um, did you, wait, did you get started here or did you get started in California? No, I started here. You started and the here. reason I started was because I moved here and I didn't know anybody, so no one could see me. And, <laughs> and I didn't have, and I didn't have any performing jobs going on for the first time in years and I wanted to perform and it was just kind of like from the necessity of having nothing else, else it yeah. was like, fuck it, I'll try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, but I, was... I don't think before that, like in, in LA, I don't think I would have had the balls to try it. Really, and that would have yeah. been a weird place to start. Yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it was also like there's so much pressure. I think all the time, like everybody wants a TV show, and I'm sure like after your first five minutes, everyone's like, I need a TV show <laughs> because I can be funny for five minutes now, and I don't think I would have lasted in that environment. I would have been too focused on other shit. I think because you have to really focus to be funny for longer than five minutes yeah, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't stop that doesn't stop mm-hmm. some people yeah. <laughs> no. so from when you were thinking about it when did you actually start so i didn't start until halloween 2011 and i think how did i end up coming to that day? so um 
I think my, you know how you kind of had like a fuck it, I'll try right. moment. So it was kind of like that with me. I was trying to, I was trying to get out of the Gazette. I'd been there for several years. Um, Alahe was even trying to help me. She was trying to throw me like lead, like job mm-hmm. leads and interviews and stuff. And nothing was really clicking. And I had, I had finally gotten down to, I think I had gone on like three rounds of interviews with, uh, what is the name of this place? It was like, uh, uh, was like a like an industry magazine for like real estate, like in Baltimore. I'm like I'm in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean I know the real. There's right, a, your there's husband a, needs to know all these. No, the the real estate magazine that he loves that they all get a bunch of press from. Oh fuck, there's one. Oh, was Biz it, Now. Biz Now. They, okay. they, Biz Now is a big deal in the real estate community. Okay, so the one that I was thinking, I just remember, it's Baltimore Biz Journal. Okay. So they all have the word biz. Yeah, they all have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Formerly, it's Baltimore Business Journal. And right. they, there are others in other cities, but that was the one I was gunning for. So I made it like this far, and then I get a phone call. And they were nice enough to do this over the phone because they could have just emailed me. But I get a phone call saying like that I didn't get it. And on top of finding out he didn't get it, they said they were going to give it to somebody who wasn't even from Maryland. Like, they were like, we're going to give it to this person that's coming from New Jersey. And like, why would you fucking tell me that? Uh, <laughs> why would you tell me that? We're going to be objective here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't, that was, like, not an extra piece of information I needed to yeah. know. So I was, so I was, like, super annoyed. And I was just, like... And that wasn't the only thing that wasn't going right in my life. It was like also like my love life was kind of like not great either. Gotcha. So I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I remember that guy. If this is the same guy, I don't remember. No, no, no. This, I don't think you would know who this okay. was. Yeah. So, no, no, he, I, I guess the other guy. Ew <laughs> on the other guy. Then. There's been one. No, yeah. But uh, no, so it, it was kind of like, you know, it, one of those, fuck it, everything else isn't going right. right so I might right. as well try it. And sure. so. I picked, I ended up going with the Halloween date because the only mic that I knew of at the time was at the Looking Glass Lounge, like the yeah. last Monday of the month. Do you remember that one? That was my first one? mic ever. Yeah, that was my first mic too. So um, I knew of that one because uh, Sarah, who I mentioned earlier, knew Reggie Melbro. And Reggie mm-hmm. Melbro ran that mic with this dude named Mike Curran, I think, who I don't even know if he's still doing comedy. Does your friend Sarah still do comedy? No, no, she hasn't done it in a while. And, you know, we've had that conversation. Like, oh, you should try to get... Even she's been like, I I should go out and do it one more day. And then she doesn't do it. But, but yeah, so... um, So, yeah, I knew about that mic because of Sarah. So I was like, okay, um, this will be the one. And I was actually kind of panicking because... You know how bars will usually like shut everything down or what they normally do for Halloween and I didn't know if the Looking yeah. Glass Lounge was like that or right. one of those bars and I was like I was really itching to do it so I right. was like probably annoying the hell out of Reggie and being like is this happening like for real or is it right. going to be like a costume contest that rolls through there when I actually want to do it and he's like no 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 we're having the like we're still having the mic like it's fine. So so I went and I brought Sarah with me because I needed like emotional support in case yeah. I bombed. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not bringing everybody, but I'm bringing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple people who I think were there that night. Rachel Dry, I don't know if you yeah, remember her. She, she, um, so she works for the New York Times now, but she did comedy here. Mm-hmm. She was there that night. I think Sarah Armour was there. I think Chelsea, I think, might have been there that mm-hmm. night too. And that's when they were still kind of like straddling Very improv and, and comedy. Now they've made like that entire right. full week, obviously. Um, but yeah, I went up there and most of my set was about 
um, I think like Okay Cupid. Like I had yeah, like a, I had like a blog. Of my first bits. Yeah, I think that's everybody's. <laughs> it's first everybody's bits. first bits. Like online Have dating. Have to do with online dating. dating. Yeah, it's like at least half of it was about that. You know how many fucking fat people are on Okay Cupid? <laughs> <laughs> I think mine had more to do with, like, the grammatical errors of this. It was a normally not, like, a huge grammar grammar freak, but, like, this one person's profile in particular said that he was into figure scarting, S-K-A-R-T-I-N-G, and ice sharding. He meant ice skating. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it said ice sharding. <laughs> so wow. I had, like, a whole bit about, like... What what if that that's what he really meant? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so um yeah, it was. <laughs> Who do these ice shorters think they're hiding from? Yeah. Okay, Cupid. Kind of like these fat people. Yeah. And you did your ice sharding set, and you were like, "This is it. Yeah. This is my calling." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did well enough. Why? Up. Why haven't I been doing this the whole time? <laughs> that's brilliant. And yeah, I got enough laughs where I was like. This isn't totally discouraging. I, I'll try this again. Yeah. So then I just kept getting up. That's what happened to me. Yeah. It was literally like, oh, a buddy of mine said, there's this thing at the looking glass. I don't think the people are that funny. I bet you'll be funnier than 80% of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? If it's that bad, I mean, I may as well just see. I mean, I don't think I'll ever do this. I wanted to rap before. I was making albums, doing things, freestyle, these cyphers. And I just went up, I, and literally, I did, thinking back on it now, it's so funny, because even though I didn't think much would come of it, like, if you'd have asked me, that's what I would have told you, this is gonna be whatever, mm-hmm. I still sat there all day, took whatever little scratch I wrote down, and went over it literally 50 times, <laughs> yeah. like, I counted it for five <laughs> minutes, I was like, I'm gonna give it the full shot. And if this doesn't work, I'll know that about myself or whatever. So I, mu- <laughs> so I must have fucking cared. Because, like, there's things that I get paid to do now for a living that I wouldn't have ever given that much attention to. <laughs> right, right. Other than that. And, right. and then I went, and holy shit, it came off, and I still thought it was a fucking fluke. Really? Yeah, I really sit there. I mean, even though, like, I, th- I remember old Mike B was there that night. I think he was a great set. And then uh, Mike Smith he was around at the time and some other guys. Reggie went from being, like, cool at first when I showed up and thinking I was just going to do nothing. Like, when I messaged him about it, he's like, yeah, you can go up, but I may have to give you the light early if it sucks or whatever, this or that, mm. to being like, hey, that wasn't bad. Now, here's what you have to do to keep doing this. And he started kind of, like, being like a tutor, but kind of a dick about it, you know? <laughs> oh, no, really? And he was kind of a dick back then, at, to be honest. And I've told him this. Reggie's a close friend of mine now, so it's no harm, no foul, and everything. But, um, yeah, I remember thinking, I don't know if I can do this, because then they are like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to go up every night and do this, like, all the time. And I'm like, but I was funny, and that was my first time. <laughs> Like, and, and so I don't need to do this. Yeah, like I won. I won the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dedication. I already yeah. practiced this set fifty times. Yeah. This is the one. But 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 I still didn't even believe until he told me through his body language that it was like good but not like perfect that I was gonna have to do it again. So I went up again, 
like eight more times and every time crushed except for one last night at the same spot, the looking glass, mm. where they bumped me with Seton Smith and of course he just Murder, annihilated yeah. me. <laughs> and then I just went up and told like abortion jokes to a bunch of like white chicks with short hair and they were just like yeah that ain't that ain't the venue for those jokes (laughs) (laughs) i told you that and then i didn't do it again for another year and a half really yeah well well here was the thing too because it was like all right i knew after watching a guy like seaton i was gonna need like so much more and maybe there's a level of talent i'll never attain in there and i don't write that possibility off that seems likely however i you know, thought too, I gotta get a real job and everything, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if I'm gonna have the energy to do this every night after a long day of work and everything, but then I got the job, and then a year later, or a year and a half, I had just gotten in the groove. I was in like an autopilot at work, and I was kind of depressed, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll give this another shot, and then I went back to the Blue Banana, oh, and Haywood yeah. put me up, and I bombed the first time, but I was like, I'm definitely gonna come back and then I went back again and then here we are seven years later yeah. that room was kind of tough sometimes just because of the layout just Blue banana. It, yeah it was it, oblong yeah it was just like this yeah the stage was like at the front like by like the bay window when you came in and then just there were just seats that stretched all the way to ah, the back. the deep, the deep, weird, like narrow the, rooms. The deep, narrow rooms. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done comedy in many of those. <laughs> yeah. But here's my, both of you guys have been doing comedy about 70 years, right? Seven yeah, years, yeah. So, so here's my, I'm interesting to, I'm interested to get both your thoughts on this. Like, you guys have seen people who have been at the top of their comedy game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the big shit in the scene. Like, this person's going to blow up. Yeah. And then those people quit. Or fall off. I'm sure you've seen that because the people that people are talking about that are yeah, at the top yeah. of the scene now yeah. are probably totally different than the people that were at the top of the scene yeah. when you started. Yeah, yeah right. That's fair. In a sense, that's mm-hmm. right. Right. So yeah. why? So tell me a little bit of what you learned and observed from that. Because I see, I've seen people quit, like who did comedy with me in my first year. You know what I mean? Where they're doing the and it's it's such a fucking grind to get stage time. Yeah. At this point, and DC is just getting harder and harder to get stage time. So I think a lot of people quit after a year because it's like, I don't fucking see a light at the end of this tunnel. Like I'm still doing flyers or I'm still doing this. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm, I just can't get time. But from people who have like worked through all that, gotten all the time, and then been like, just sort of like falling off. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for some people, I can think of. Have you ever met uh, Michael Way before? Yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly. What I was you were thinking of the same person. He he's basically exactly what you're describing. He was somebody who was like serious. Like I, I didn't get a chance to know him like super super well when I started, but he was somebody that had been working in the game for years. Like mm-hmm. grinded was like working at DC Improv and like all the clubs and doing this regular work, and then all of a sudden he kind of was just like, you know what? Like, I'm d- I can't do this anymore. Like I'm done. You know, and I, I think, I mean, you know, I don't talk to him on a regular basis. What I can see kind of superficially, it seems like he's much happier mm-hmm. where he is in life. Like, you know, and, you know, outside of doing comedy on a regular basis anymore. And I guess it's just one of those things where, like, you know, comedy isn't necessarily going to be the definition of everybody's life you know right, right. you know it's sometimes it's really frustrating when you see somebody that is like has so much potential and it's like oh they're gonna do really good things and then they're like no i don't want to do this anymore but you, you have to respect that it's, right yeah right. it's just like 
if that's not what you want to do, if that's really truly not what's making you happy, then I'd rather you do that than, you know, do a grind and then just be miserable and then, I don't know. That's just how, yeah. I, how I feel about it. Yeah. I couldn't really knock him for, for doing that. Yeah, no, he is a uh, clutch example of a guy. I mean, I'd seen him a handful of times and every time it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then when I really like I guess it was about 2011 when he stopped because I remember seeing him in 2010 and then coming back in 2012 looking around at the scene and I'd remembered you know a few of the faces there was some new ones and he wasn't around and I didn't ask I was just like uh. and then he came to the first Cook Cobain uh, the picnic oh back I think I remember seeing him there picnic. yeah and he shows up and all right, over here, Reggie's saying, oh, man, I miss Mike Way. I wish he would have stayed with comedy and all this. And then over the next year, I heard different, like, conspiracy theories about why he might have, like, <laughs> left and everything. Oh, of course. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I knew, though, because I knew another girl back when who had a friend that used to work with him. And he'd talk about him. And I guess he was like an architect or something Yeah, like yeah, that. I think he went to school for architecture, yeah. So I was kind of like, you know, God bless him in a way because there's so many great careers out there. You can make a lot of money and you, you can save yourself this aggravation. That's like, true. It, it's just so funny to think like, I mean, I have a career too. And sometimes I come home and I'm like, you know, I'll blow through half a day's paycheck on groceries or whatever, like it's peanuts. But if I get fifteen fucking dollars from comedy, I'll stick it in like a cigar box, like yeah, a right. yeah, yeah. or something. They become like trophies or something, right. dollar bills. Right. And you know, the only thing really that, other than the fact that I do love it, that keeps me coming around is just the fact that. I don't really have any fucking thing else. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't even really want that or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I have all this exit time to like devote to something. Yeah. And I figure this is about the best I've been at most things in my life. So I may as well just see how far I can go with it. I, I think it does help to not have any attachments. Like I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I have the time to mm-hmm. devote. To, to doing this you know if one of those things changes you know then obviously the comedy is going to change with it whether I like stick with it or not you know if right. anything that's more material <laughs> it, is, it is definitely more material I think I'm married but it also helps that my husband is obsessed with stand-up comedy yeah just and he was from the like on our first date we watched stand-up comedy together like he just loves stand he likes stand-up at this point probably more than I do because like he'll want to watch stand up at home, and I'm like I can't. You know, yeah, I'm just like I'm just like yeah. Once you're I, in it, you don't want to watch just it. Like, I cannot. <laughs> yeah. And he is always so excited to like come to comedy shows. You guys have met him yeah, at many yeah, a show, he's and he's sportive. always like super stoked to go. And I'm always like, you know, you don't have to, right? Like, why would you want to subject yourself to this? And he's always so excited to come, and he loves like talking afterwards. And like dissecting my set mm-hmm. and dissecting everybody else and like sitting and talking about comedy for hours, which if he wasn't that, I think it would be a lot harder. See, that's interesting to me because I feel like I've, I've seen so many like spouses and girlfriends and boyfriends of people who right. do it. And I feel like they have like this like punch card in their head of like, OK, I've been to this many. Right. I'm not showing up anymore. And I was right. like, and I get it. Like some people right. just get like burned out. 
but like Josh is like such an exception to that. <laughs> but even I'm like like he he did reach a point because he was coming to almost for my first six mm-hmm. months of comedy he was coming to pretty much every show, mm-hmm. and then he reached a point where like. He's like, I have to wake up and go to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. I feel. I was like, you should not be coming to everything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is like, yeah. like go ahead, fly, fly. Yeah. But he's all like, even tonight, he was like driving home from work. He was like, what shows do you have? Maybe I'll come meet you. Yeah. And I'm like, don't you want to come home and have food and like relax? He's like, no, I want to hang out. I want to see what's going on. Like, Mom, like, let me cook you something. Yeah, literally, I'm just. I did. I cooked dinner for him today, and I ate it before I left. And it's sitting there, and he's not going to eat it because he's going to come watch my five-minute yeah. set of Beer Baron after this. You know what's interesting about that, too, is, like, this is a, definitely a different dynamic. But, like, my mother, who I live with and mm-hmm. everything, ever since I got into comedy and showed I was serious about it, she started coming. She'd never been to a comedy show before. And now, any, like day the draft house or the kennedy center or someone puts out like a newsletter she gets all the emails sent to her attention pd you know that like this guy's <laughs> yeah. gonna be here this night have you heard of this guy is he funny blah blah i'm gonna yeah. order some tickets and everything and she's gotten into it and she's in that same mode josh is where like we went to see brian regan maybe like a month ago it was mm-hmm. fantastic and we got back and she's like, "Well, honey, I think you were better than that opener that came out for him." Like, oh, Josh does wow. that all the time. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. she's like yeah. "I don't think you're yeah. quite at Regan's level yet, but yeah. you definitely have this thing and this." And she'll do like a whole technical breakdown, and I'm like, "Wow, honored. I'm touched by it, honestly." It's but so great. At the same time, so I'm great. like, "That's crazy." Like, my passion has gotten someone close to me like into this sort of thing it's so interesting yeah. isn't it josh, i mean josh will literally tell me who to reach what bookers to reach out to and what to say and i'll be like i'm not gonna do that like he's an asshole and mm. he'll be like tell him thank you and send a message <laughs> and like it's a job interview yeah, yeah. Send, a, send a follow-up email. i call him i call him my manager <laughs> no li- i'm not he's like send a follow-up say thank you and make sure you say his name and the you think like he's the always Josh like Posnick finishing school it's so true. it's so true <laughs> you know when i started he was like you probably shouldn't wear your wedding ring mm-hmm. to comedy shows that's how my and i was like wow. you're fucking crazy listen up ladies <laughs> he's like he's like no it's not it won't help you with stage time i was like you're right but that's so fucked up it's and i'm so gonna wear up. it yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you know, once we get into our 30s, men start being able to, like, look to see if there's, like, a white line. Yeah, maybe that would tip guys off, yeah. or the fact that half my jokes are about being married. Yeah. Maybe yeah. one of those yeah. two things yeah. might tip <laughs> everybody yeah. off. Either way, they're going to find out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think as far as, like, distraction, I think if you have a setup where it's welcome, mm-hmm. and obviously, like, we talk all the time about having kids and how that would affect and how that would work out but i think if you have like sort of a setup where everything sort of supports you doing comedy that works but i have heard of a lot of comics that have you know husbands or wives that are just like fuck you for being busy every saturday night Uh, yeah i've seen that i've seen divorce at the hands of comedy i can see it i mean i could see how that how it could become a problem like if it bothers somebody that you're not available for like i'm not available for a lot of stuff yeah and what's your counter argument i mean if there's not fucking tv cameras outside the door of your house like it's a pretty easy thing for the other person to be like yeah you ain't shit 
Yeah. You're going off to fucking eat curly fries and sit around with a bunch of like unkempt guys telling dick jokes and fucking totally. blah blah blah. Totally. I mean, if, if you said, "Hey, I'm going to the gym," they might be like, "Well, you know, maybe there's something in it for me later on tonight." <laughs> but like, if you're just like, "I'm gonna fucking eat nacho cheese," like, who cares? I mean, hopefully that's. I mean, especially at the dating stage, you would think like, "Okay, this is what I'm signing up for." If there's somebody that's like right. really dedicated to it and wants to make a career out of it, then it shouldn't be a surprise to you after you get married. Right, yeah, that's, the same that's, the thing. that's the thing to me with a lot of people. It's just sort of like if you, you know, I hear a lot of stories from like other people in comedy, like complaining that there's breakups or whatever because the significant other couldn't deal with comedy. It's like he or she literally gave you their phone number after they saw oh, you, you on at, stage. Oh, my, thank and you. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> what did what you, you think? think? Like, <laughs> you saw him performing at 10 p.m. on a Friday night. Like, where do you think he's going to be? Yeah. Like, wake up. But yeah. a lot of people can't handle yeah, that. Like, or they think they're going to change their life, like, once they meet. Like, right. oh, or, they met me, so they're going to stop doing right. it. Right, or they just don't think it through. Like, ooh, I want to date someone who's on stage. And yeah. isn't that sexy that they're a performer? But right. can you be on a 9 to 5 schedule? It's like guys that give their number to a stripper or something, you know? Well, it's like I had a lot of friends. And like, and what are you going to do Friday night? Oh, where you met me, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. this rent. Well, I had, I had a lot of friends, and myself included, maybe, um, that did a lot of, like, DJ and musician dating when we were in our 20s. And it's just sort of like... Oh uh, yeah, he's gonna be on tour a lot of the time, surrounded by hoes, like trying to suck his dick every time. Like, what did you think you were signing up for? Like, but yeah, it's interesting. But either way, I think if you guys find those distractions and they're supportive of comedy, I think it can totally you can keep doing it. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you guys like I don't feel like I have anybody in my family that's like super super supportive like that, mm-hmm. but but no one's telling me like oh you're doing the wrong thing or you shouldn't, you know I think the one person that I thought was gonna freak out the most when I started doing it was my mom because I thought mm-hmm. she was gonna be like oh you better not be talking about me on stage or some shit like that, right. but she's actually like been the least surprised that I'm doing it my dad was like the one who was like what is this like like now he's like on board with it but right, he was right. just like very shocked that i because i'm generally not not a outspoken person i was not a class clown i was right. not any of those things so for him it was like kind of jarring at first but then he got used to it but no one's ever been like why are you doing this yeah or like what's yeah. gonna come out i of think it? that's a common misconception of comedians too like oh, that people like, think that everyone's like this loud mouth class clown it's yeah. like usually it's the person that got bullied and was quiet in the corner of the class yeah like and that what, that's what makes for great yeah exactly yeah, quiet else. observations yeah. that's right <laughs> but even so like i mean it's gotten my mom more into like genealogy like she'll like look oh, back really? and she'll be like you know your great grandfather played the piano and was like this or that uh, maybe you're artistic you know and I'm like oh. my mom claims that I got it, got it from her and not my dad I think I got it from taking credit yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. this is self-serving yeah. bias yeah. yeah I think I get I think I get the storytelling stuff from my dad and then like the jokes and stuff from my mom if I had to yeah. like split it up, sure. But split, she's split. she would claim all the credit if you asked. Her. Mm-hmm. I remember so like the first year I was doing it, and the family caught wind of it. They kind of were like, 
not really like I wouldn't say directly unsupportive, but they might have been like, Oh, so like you're still doing that comedy thing, you know, kind yeah, of at like yeah. the table and you're like, I mean that fucking comedy thing, what are you implying? Like you're diminutive savage. No, but um <laughs> then like a year later of holidays and then a couple of them had been to see me, they're like, How's comedy? <laughs> so and it's like, oh, okay, you give a shit now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't just fodder. You want, like, a good story. You think you may have a chance at something here, mm-hmm. you know? Do they try to insert themselves in your, like, do they're like, oh, you should do a bit about this, like, that. Yeah, and that's every thing relatives layman's say. fallacy of yeah. comedy. <laughs> you think I'm going to make something funny out of every dumbass interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, or I will make a joke about something, but it's not something you wanted me to say on yeah. stage. Exactly. <laughs> I'll say like whatever you think for is it. serious, I'm going to fuck you yeah, up yeah, yeah, exactly. about that. Exactly. Yeah, my parents, when I told my parents that I was going to start doing stand-up, they were both, like, my dad actually started laughing. Because they were both so, because remember, I was coming, I had just quit Mexican soap opera. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, well, she's 30 now, you know, maybe she'll start doing, you know, maybe when she moves to D.C., she'll, like, get another degree and pursue something a little Ooh. less totally insane. <laughs> and then I was like, I've decided what I'm going to pursue while I'm in D.C., stand-up comedy. And they were like, we don't fucking know. Like, they were just so like, I don't, this oh is my your God. last check. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were just like, I don't, I have nothing to, they, they were like, we give up. And, <laughs> and then they came and they saw, actually, Petey, you were there. They came mm-hmm. and they, they saw an apartment show I did and they saw me crush for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And after that, they've been much, it's totally changed, which was similar to acting. Like, they were very not all about acting. Then I started getting work and then they were like, our daughter's an actress. Yeah. yeah. So you can let her do a podcast with me. Yeah. <laughs> So that's great. So we've got a lot of great things coming up this uh, coming week. We're talking the 19th and 20th at Arlington Cinema Draft House. Country Wayne's going to be in the house. That's going to be 7.30 and 10 o'clock on the 19th. And then 7 and 9.30 on the uh, 20th. And then here at the D.C. Draft House Comedy Theater... I have to stumble for a bit because I got another guy with a weird fucking last name. Oh. Um, <laughs> Jerry's gonna love me. Right now. <laughs> he was uh, all about honesty. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not typical. It's a beautiful name, though. Like, uh, David Gabori. I hope I'm saying that right. From How to Be Broke, Flop House in the Lot, the 19th and 20th, 7 and 9 p.m. Um, yeah, and if you want to get three free pizza, three free pairs of tickets. To either of these shows, definitely follow us at Currents DC on Twitter, Countercurrents on Facebook, and Countercurrents DC on Instagram for a chance to be in the running. And the more stuff you like, the more we'll notice you. So you can like the page, but then if you like comment on some stuff or interact with some stuff, that's always going to up your chance of getting those free tickets. So like, the more love you show, the more love we give back. Yeah. Slide in my DMs. Yeah, exactly. Slide in Petey's DMs. You can hold <laughs> off on mine. <laughs> you, know, you do the countercurrents account. Right, right. There you go. You, there you and go. Then she don't have to look at them. I'll just yeah. <laughs> this this one's for me. Where can they get at you, Natalie? Uh, for my social media, um, I'm on Twitter at Natalie S McGill, and I'm on Instagram at Hoot Holler Snap. 
and I have a website too. I'm at nataliemcgill.com. And um, do you guys know when this is going to air? It's going to air Monday. Okay, so can I make a plug? Yes, yeah. please. So this is actually something I'm not even on, but the the Sarah that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, so she is actually helping put on a comedy benefit show here at the Draft House on Wednesday, April 17th. Um, it's the Stand Up for Ale comedy benefit for Keep Ale Free, and Ale is Alejandra Pablos. Uh, she is a reproductive rights and immigrant rights activist who is facing a deportation order. Mm. And uh, this is a fundraiser show that's going to raise money to uh, raise money for her legal funds to fight the deportation order. And it's an awesome awesome. lineup. Chelsea Short is on it. Andy Basto is emceeing it. Mariel Farhi's on it. Christine Ferreira will be a a musical guest on Casita Seria, I think is the name Mm -hmm. of the group. Um, And yeah, we're basically trying to spread the word, get as many people to come out yeah. as possible. That's so. awesome. Keep abortions yeah. cheap. What up? Yeah. <laughs> so come come see that. Come support that. How much, if you don't mind, do you know what the uh, price tag on keeping her around is? The They're trying to raise $50,000 for her legal fees. Okay. Yeah, so it's right. pretty, it's pretty yeah. daunting, you know, yeah, but yeah. she has... Uh, a wide-ranging support, like network of support from immigrant activists to reproductive rights activists. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, we're hoping that we can rally everybody and try to raise as much money yeah. for as possible. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So great. come support that. That's awesome. Cool. Um, Petey, where can people find you? Uh, Steelborn DC, S T E E L E B O R N D C, Instagram, Steel underscore DC, and Twitter. And I'm not really on Facebook these days. It's been about a glorious six months. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still Petey Steele if you want to catch me lurking from time to time. <laughs> measuring the latest comedy beefs and whatnot. You may be able to hit me, but you can do that on Messenger. Um, that's it. Yeah, and you can find me at Elena Blondita on Instagram. That's the place where I post the most. Uh, just Elena Torres on Twitter, Elena Torres on Facebook. And check out uh, my sketch page, Human Factor Comedy, with a lot of really funny videos. we got a new one coming for you next week. Uh, and then that's it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Natalie. Yeah, thank great. you guys for having me. This was great. <laughs> All right. See you next week.